0: Two little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly
1: gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. <laughs> it's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance.
2: Now let's start the show. show. Step out My problem stone. Tell us to fuck off, oh. please. What a stupid symbol. Ladies and gentlemen, the CO Double M O N synonym for fresh Truth is the emblem.
3: It's good for <laughs> <laughs> We're good. We were just talking about um the the wild story of how jerry Kushner weasled his way into Harvard. I'm reading a book right now for work that talks specifically about the side door that's utilized at a lot of private elite universities in the United States. So Jared Kushner, I believe went to a private school in, um Aramis? Yeah. In New Jersey. And he was not a terribly successful student in private school. He didn't this have was-
1: the Frisch School? Sorry, I didn't mean yeah. to interrupt you.
3: No, no, you're good. Um, more of that context is good, though. So he was not a terribly impressive student. He does wasn't necessarily involved in anything. But because his dad, Charles Kushner, had a shit ton of money, he said, like, you know, my son needs to go to an Ivy League school. And Harvard was like, no, he doesn't make the grades. He doesn't do anything like he doesn't have good SAT scores. There's... A lot of reasons why he should not be admitted. And Charles Kushner essentially said, well, how many reasons does he not get into Harvard? And they said a lot. And he said, is two and a half million reasons good enough for you all? And they said, sure. So effectively what happened and what happens on in many cases is that Charles Kushner effectively paid Harvard University two and a half million dollars. So Jared could be admitted and enrolled into Harvard. And what they do is they call this the Z list. And very often what happens with a lot of these private elite universities is they have a list of students who are qualified to get into the institution, but probably can't pay to be there. And then they have a list of students who can pay to be there, but definitely don't qualify. So in many cases, what happens are these parents who are dead set their kid getting somewhere basically provide a donation to the institution and they side door their kids in. They have to take a gap year. This happened at Harvard. They had to take, like Jared had to wait one year before he was admitted and enrolled, but he got in all the same. It's kind
1: of interesting. Cause I wonder if it's like,
3: you know, they're basically netting,
1: Oh, this kid can't get in, but we would love for them to get in because they're smart and we believe in them. Now, if he's basically paying for like four of these star students, I guess it's, you know, evil, but it's good evil.
3: (laughs) Well, the problem is, though, is a lot of these schools, they know if they admit students from lower income areas, they know that they're going to be able to persist to graduation. They know that they're they're If they get admitted, they're going to be into it and they're going to invest themselves. But what happens is these students who have the money but don't necessarily have the qualifications to get in, they kind of fuck around for a year. Um, and in this book that I'm reading, they're talking about Trinity, Trinity College in Connecticut, where they had a huge problem where they were admitting a lot of wealthy affluent students who really couldn't make the grades. But the school said, we need the money to do it. We need the money to bring them in. And they said, we have a huge cultural issue on campus where like these kids are just getting fucked up all the time and they're not bringing anything to the classroom.
1: Well, it's like it's a real slippery slope there like to pay your way into the school in general but like i could also see that like even when we were going to college you know you would know some people that had like a little bit more more money than others and like they can have way more fun than you. Yeah. Could, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, I'm down to like my last keg party for the week because I, I won't have any more cash. Until I, get paid. I I mean, multiply
3: <laughs> that by like, a, like a hundred X, right? Exactly. Because like, yeah. we went to, we went to a state school in New York. You, you went to a private school in Long Island, but in terms of like elite universities in the country,
0: yeah,
3: like we do, it does not even compare. Nah, yeah, no no, no <laughs> I wasn't trying to make
1: that comparison,
0: but you're right though, God. there are levels to it though, because even like amongst people with Oswego, there were more affluent kids that went there and had you know better resources. I, I just wonder for Kushner, like what what does that do to your psyche? Because he has to know deep down that he's not good enough to get into Harvard, right? And, like, I wondered, like, this is, like, I guess it's different for everybody, but, like, does, like, is he shameful of it? Is he, like, is, or does he, like, is he just a type A personality who's, like, yeah, I deserve to go here?
3: I would imagine it's probably very similar to, like, how you would feel if you cheated on a test, where it's, like, yeah, did I cheat on a test? Yeah. But at the same time, I got an A on it, so... You know, the pathway is open and like the difference between going to an Ivy League an elite Ivy League university is like all of the doorways that it opens up after the fact. It's not necessarily the degree. It's the people that you meet on top of that as well.
1: I kind of I also kind of wonder, like if if everything in your, like if this is something that's been paid for in your life, how much other stuff you are used to getting like you've never really had Every that thing. problem. Yeah. And so what ends up happening is you create like an excuse for your affluence, in which you're like, look, like I can afford these things. So therefore, I must be good enough because just the fact that I can afford to get the pass on things means I'm entitled to them. So, like, I think you start to then create these like excuses that insulate yourself too. You know, like, I don't know if it, if you, feel like you have a chip on your shoulder and you have to prove things because if that's the case, then why aren't more of them like champions for the little guy? You know what I mean? They all, they all go straight for the, in the other direction
3: (laughs) or, or what happens is that sense of entitlement is overwhelming where, you know, you can cut the line at any Mm -hmm. time you want. Like, yeah, exactly. People who are like incredibly wealthy, get away with so much more than the three of us do because of their wealth, especially like young kids where it's like, oh, I'm 17 years old and I got a DWI, but my parents are worth like $800 million. How quickly that DWI goes away versus. I, the- well Affluenza.
1: Afru- yeah, Bingo. I was talking about that kid from Texas, right? Like, he, yeah, he committed like vehicular homicide when he was drunk. And the killed legal like four people, didn't he? he? The legal defense was that his his uh, affluence um, caused he, a problem in his judgment.
0: Basically, <laughs> they, they, basically the ju- the judgment was that he, because of the fact he's been so rich for so long, he doesn't understand consequences of his actions. Yes. So basically, he's allowed to kill these people because. By, by vehicle manslaughter. It doesn't have to go to jail for it, because, it. He just
1: doesn't because, understand because it.
0: Because he doesn't realize that driving drunk is bad. So, yeah. like, oops.
1: Well, to be fair, no one bought that fucking excuse and he he got time for it. However, did, I, He, he, I he they got, then, no, he thought, did not get a slap on the wrist. Because what hmm. ended up happening was when he had to go in for sentencing. He then tried to flee the country with his mom, and they both got in trouble for that. Well, that's,
0: that's not smart.
1: Yeah, that was they dumb. weren't. Not, not ideal. Yeah. I
0: would recommend against that, actually.
1: I would say this was a uniquely, like, narcissistic family, particularly that that this
3: happened to so shitty people is what you mean yeah really <laughs> shitty people kushner
0: apparently got treated for thyroid cancer while in the white house but like it's so funny though with with him is that like his qualifications were literally i'm married to the president's daughter and like they had him trying to broker peace in the middle east <laughs> it's like the
3: fuck? he owns a, a a giant office building in new york city that nobody fucking uses that's and they awesome. can't get rid of it. I think. I think it was. Am I wrong? Is it six 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 Park Ave, or something like that? The, num-
0: the number is so perfect.
3: Yeah, so, but it's a giant office building skyscraper that they can never like get anybody to stay in long enough. Well, six 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 is the mock no,
0: no, no one's going to buy a, a place like that because it's just they're superstitious.
3: I
1: I just wonder though. Like, is it? Just that as long as he's a mouthpiece for whatever Trump wants him to say or do, it doesn't matter what your real qualifications are. Also, like, is it any worse than being the like in the cabinet of the president and just being the daughter and having no experience whatsoever in anything? <laughs> like
0: no, and I, I think it's I think it's the same for any pretty much any of his advisors, like like that. Um but it's it's pretty funny though to watch them. Him and Ivanka are now trying to distance themselves from him. Um, oh yeah,
3: through the January sixth hearings too.
0: Yep. So there's a salon
3: article about that,
0: like um, recently came out, and yeah, they're they're basically like they don't want to be involved with politics anymore, and it's like, don't blame them. Yeah, but it's like you can't let them get away with it though. Got to no. yeah Got to hold their feet to the fire on this one.
3: Yeah, just because they objected and stayed in the room doesn't make them okay about it. Right. Um, but I, I was going to go back to that, um, that office building it's six, six, six fifth Ave. And I'm reading this off of Bloomberg in 2017, the fees at Fifth Ave kicked in last month and escalate with each payment until the loan is repaid. Oh. A 2011 refinancing agreement shows um, in December brings another hurdle interest paid on the bulk of about $1.1 billion of loans jumped to 6.3% more than double what it was after the debt was refinanced in 2011. I don't know if they've been able to sell this or like get people in there, but effectively the son-in-law of the president of the United States owned, owed a billion dollars for a building that no one was in. Wow. That's a bad business move. Business. That's capitalism, baby. Speaking of, somebody recently
1: told me about the Trump apartment complexes in New York City and how if you go into the elevator, there are 90 uh, buttons right, for floors. However, the building stops at 60. So there are essentially a third of the buttons that all they do is light up and don't take you anywhere.
3: So there was actually a big article in the New York Times, I think it was in 2018 or 2019, which effectively talked about the entire like Trump real estate empire and how it was a giant fucking sham. Mm -hmm. And um, it was really interesting because – you know, they would, they would tell all of the tenants in these buildings, like, Hey, we're going to raise your rent because we're putting in a new hot water heater or, um, new electrical in the building. And they would never do it. And they would just like skeeve money off of people. And I think Maggie Haberman and somebody else put the article together. It was fascinating to learn about how the financials work in the, uh, the Fred Trump era before Donald got his hands on it. And I think there was a, a piece of that article that said, even when Fred Trump was on his deathbed, Donald Trump was trying to get him to change his will to cut his brother and sister, his brother and sister out of the deal.
1: That's good leadership.
3: That sounds exactly like him. Art
0: of the deal.
1: <laughs> That's some real art. That's how we do business. Motherfuckers a Picasso. <laughs> or maybe a Jackson Pollock. I can't tell. He's kind of a mess.
0: He is just a humble man who received a small $200 million loan from his father.
1: Dude, speaking of, I do have a new hero. Oh, yeah? uh, This guy, Conrad uh, Bicker, and uh, the FBI arrested this dude, nicknamed him the Wolf of Airbnb. Love it. Because what he was doing was he was... And you know what? He probably would have gotten away with a hell of a lot more, but he had racked up like 1.17 million dollars in uh lease violations and fines um what he was doing was he was he was renting he was renting properties like in like top places like in new york city right and uh like top apartments and then he was Airbnb-ing them out even though, like, the leases and everything said you couldn't do it. He was just <laughs> fucking doing it anyhow. And then he would just fucking peace out on them and and never pay anybody and just take the fucking money. <laughs> and what he, went to, when he cool. went to elaborate he went to very elaborate fucking ways of, like, handing over keys to fucking to people that would rent out the the apartments and stuff on Airbnb. He would often, like, Pay out like the doormen to to help in the stuff or be complicit.
0: Um, some palms.
1: Yeah, it was like yeah he's he's actually kind of a hero though to me because <laughs> he was he was basically fucking them all up <laughs> over there.
3: He was, was just he was, was
1: overpricing just... the overpriced apartments.
3: Was it just Airbnb that he was doing that with, or was it with everybody?
1: It was through. Well, he's probably using multiple. Like, I assume multiple fake accounts, and I would assume, like, on any service. Gotcha. Yeah, it I, it doesn't go into more than that, Um, but yeah, he would, he used, oh, 11 accounts. Yeah, we're under, oh, wait, 11 accounts were under the name Conrad Bicker, but I don't know if that's actually his name. That was the name that I had read in, like, the first, I, I had read this, like, a week or two ago
3: and uh i was just like this guy's fucking great. i huh. fucking love it. That's sick. Good for him. He deserves everything. <laughs> he got one over
1: on on the fucking people out pricing out everybody in fucking New York City, so. Yeah,
0: Airbnb is a fucking scam anyway cuz like oh dude, it, yeah. <laughs> the i mean the way that they they the way that they like seriously just overprice everything. It's just insane.
1: It's uh, it's so hit or miss because I've stayed in some places that I was like, yeah, this this was awesome, this was a good deal, and then other ones I was like, okay, where's the nearest hotel? I need to get out of here as soon as possible. Like that happened to me in Italy. Um, the place looked great in photos, and then you get there and you realize this is literally like room that's been carved into what was like a mountainside. And it was like one of the oldest apartment complexes in Italy, <laughs> but it and it looked that way. Like things were so fucking gross and nasty. Oh, dude! It was <laughs> didn't like didn't you have a built.
0: didn't you have a pipe burst? Was that an Airbnb? Yeah,
1: that was an apartment. That one was in Poland. We went. We went a right around. So this is Poland, right around like the end of spring, right? So it's Easter. Like it was actually Easter. It was Easter Sunday, going into the Monday. And me and two friends, were we decided to go check out Poland. We were doing a little tour. We were going to go hit up uh, Eastern Germany and, and then head, head on our way back to Amsterdam. And I remember we, we tried to do the right thing, right? The responsible thing. And that was get blacked out early. Sure. So that we could get back in time so that the next morning we could go on these tours through... We were going to do Auschwitz. And we were gonna do. Uh, they have this like salt mine. That's a thing that you do. It was part of the package. Don't don't judge. It was part of the package. Um. So yeah, you're gonna get
0: depressed by going to Auschwitz, and then yeah. you know you're like, ooh, salt time.
1: Yeah, and then you're just gonna panic when you're you know five thousand <laughs> feet under underground, and uh, <laughs> you're gonna get pissed like drunk first breathe. the night
3: before, though.
1: <laughs> yes, that was by accident. It's just that it's so cheap there that you can't not help get drunk. Like buying buying rounds, you would buy a round for everyone, and it was like three bucks. Like Do they have we're their own
0: currency. They not work off the euro.
1: It's it's incredibly good. Oh yeah, it's the zloty. <laughs>
0: the zloty,
1: and it's it's uh one zloty is twenty two cents. So. <laughs> Yikes! Um, How I want to say I want to say a beer. A beer was like four. I think it was like twelve zloty for a round. So we're wow. talking like two dollars for a round for an entire
3: group. Oh, Second boy. mouse goes to Poland. Sounds great. <laughs> I love
1: Poland, man. I'll go back. You just got to be careful, man, because like Polish people when they get drunk, they love fighting. And they'll just want to fight you. Well, guess what? I
0: like fighting too.
3: I shaved my armpits for this shit. Yeah, but it like <laughs> makes me more aerodynamic when I fight. Tom,
0: Tom, the- give me my give me my Vaseline. The difference is
3: like you
1: guys are used to Jersey Shore fights. They're like used to Eastern Promises fights.
0: Oof,
3: that movie. Great flick, by the way.
1: But yeah, so there we were. We got back. We all passed out. Now, mind you. I, like, there was three rooms. There was, like, a kitchen. Then there was two bedrooms. I was like, I'll just take a cot and we'll throw it in the fucking... I'll be passed out. I'll just throw it in the fucking kitchen. Cool. It's, like, three in the morning and I just hear... And I jump out of bed and I... I I'm still drunk. And I don't realize that I had stepped down into what was freezing cold water. Oh, boy. And right near where my head was, the fucking pipe under the sink had burst which was really fucking crazy because I'm a light sleeper, but I was that drunk <laughs> <laughs> and no one would have know- No one would have noticed or knew except for the fact that the people below were getting water coming into their apartment. So why did they- it, why
3: did it burst? Was it just cold or?
1: And what I suspect they did was because no one was in the Airbnb Prior to us arriving, they had just turned the heat off.
3: And then Ah. they had turned
1: the heat back on. Sure, shit, that is a perfect recipe for bursting a pipe.
3: Yep. Not a
1: deal. Yeah, and so, like, four in the morning, there's just, like, this entire family that owns the the Airbnb and us just wringing fucking an inch, inch and a half of water off of the fucking, off of the floor, man. It was bad.
3: I had a very similar situation that happened in grad school where a buddy of mine was moving and he was sleeping on my couch one night. And this was during like the polar vortex in 2014. And it was negative 20 degrees outside during the day. And it got significantly worse at night. And
1: yeah,
3: it was fucking brutal, dude. Like everything sounded weird. If you're driving your car, it doesn't sound like it's working properly. So So Mitch is going to sleep on my couch that night because he's moving the next day and I go to sleep and I wake up at maybe like two o'clock or three o'clock in the morning. And I see a text message from him and my head phone had just gone off and he said, Hey, there's water all over the living room. What's going on? I come out of that room and a pipe that leads to the, um, the fire extinguishers that are in the ceiling had ruptured and it was pouring water from the ceiling through like the, the canned lights and through oh, the shit. wall outlets. And it was that side of the building that was affected. And it was pouring onto my television, onto my Xbox, everything. So I had lived in this apartment for a semester and it was great. They had to gut the entire side of that building and, That's how bad the water
1: damage was?
3: Yeah. Wow. I slept in the honeymoon suite of a hotel in Indiana, Pennsylvania for two fucking weeks. And it had a hot tub in the room. (laughs) Which, like, every hotel's got a hot tub in it. But this was in the fucking living room of the hotel room. (laughs) So if I wanted to, I could jump from the, the hot tub to the bed and not touch the ground and i remember when i went into my property manager's office she's like yeah we got a room for you and i was like yeah i know it's the honeymoon suite she's like oh that's great my my daughter had her prom night there. i was like oh my fucking god!" Uh, so after them she didn't use <laughs> it was it was fucking gross it like the yeah. idea was not ideal um uh. But what ended up also happening too is because they were gutting that side of the building, they had to room me with somebody else. I had my own apartment first, but they roomed me with an undergrad who also was a cop. Like I was already suspect of living with somebody that I didn't know, let alone undergrad when I was in grad school. It's another thing that I was with a cop who, when he was there would go out and drink until like four o'clock in the morning. And this dude would come home wrecked like shit faced and the first thing you do is come home and cook a steak so if you can imagine a drunk person cooking at four o'clock in the morning
1: it sounds like
3: someone's dropping fucking bowling balls down a flight of stairs
1: (laughs) he's also got a fucking pistol on his hip
3: I found his gun one time I found his gun because he had left it in the same drawer that our silverware was (laughs) I was like, dude, is that your service pistol? He's like, oh, yeah, I forgot I left it in there. I was like, okay.
0: <laughs> All right.
3: <laughs> He's like, do you want to come out with us one night? I was like, no, dude.
1: No, did, did you get a couple desk pops off when he wasn't looking? No,
3: I tried to spend as little time there as possible.
0: <laughs> desk pops. <laughs>
3: dude, that's oh, amazing. My. That was fucking terrifying. Like That was my spring semester of grad school. And I was like, and- I, I don't want to be in this place. And right at that time, Tom was heavy into the powder. It was just always oh, smudged under his nose. I'm sure that guy was heavily into the powder. <laughs> yeah, it was all confiscated. What so- is it? A civil forfeiture? <laughs> it's, it's in legal. plain sight, right? I can take it then. It's very cool. Very legal.
0: <laughs> so did you guys see this thing about Kyler? So Kyler Murray got this like huge contract, right? And yes. Tom, I know you're his president of this fan club.
1: <laughs> wait, wait, it's not Kyler Murray anymore, it's Kyler Money, because that motherfucker's paid.
0: Yeah. Do you do, so Ian Rappaport came out today and, and pointed out that in his contract there is an addendum that requires four hours of quote independent study per game week. It's important to the team making a commitment at that level. That's fucking weird
3: it tells me that guy didn't pay a fuck attention to the playbook. Yeah. That's exactly what that. Means. Now
0: now this now listen, this could be standard in most contracts. I have no clue. I don't go looking at, you know, I don't go reading the 100 pages of, you know, NFL contracts, but like well, you should
3: queue.
0: Yeah. But it is odd.
3: It uh, is odd um the other thing too is it's 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 interesting that they put that in his contract because how do you measure that unless he has like a timer that he has to start or Cliff he's Kingsbury? In a room. Yeah, Cliff Kingsbury is like a hall monitor for him, just standing over his shoulder, making sure he was reading.
1: So we could be reading into this wrong. He could Kyler Murray can be like one of those time is money guys, and he's just like, I'm not gonna do it unless you're paying me to do it types. And That's so true. He's like, I'm I'll put in four you want me to do four hours?
3: You're gonna it pay. Says, me four.
0: It's, it's four hours per game week.
1: Oh, per
3: game week.
0: That's so nothing. it's it, yeah. So oh, during and, the
3: and, bye weeks, he can just fuck off, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I just see him like sitting yes, on like sir. the station.
0: <laughs> so he followed up on his tweet. Kyler Murray does four games of game studying on his own anyway. And similar to the team wanting him around for the offseason as the face of the franchise. Arizona wanted a commitment in writing while going in a certain place. Money wise,
3: so I mean, we all know what independent study means. It's like your your senior year, and you can kind of just do whatever you want. Is (laughs) is that what it is? Like he's working on a paper or something?
1: That's a weird thing to put in the contract. I'm I'm trying to find out like what an average quarterback is doing in terms of like in like similar study or game study a week. You know what I mean? Like,
0: so this makes sense. Um. So apparently in an interview in 2021 with Ben Spiegel, Shapiro, no, (laughs) of the New York Times, logic, the 24 year old said watching film isn't much of a priority for him. Quote, I think I was blessed with the cognitive skills to just go out there and just see before it happens. I'm not one of those guys that's going to sit there and kill myself watching film. I don't sit there for 24 hours and break down this team and that team and watch every game because in my head, I see so much.
3: Well, you should, cause you played like shit in the second half.
0: Yeah. I mean, he, he, this is, that's actually kind of a good point is that like maybe teams kind of caught up to him. Like, I think, I think any quarterback can probably go out there on a given basis and like with relatively no film on them will light a team up could be the best defense in the NFL. They'll light them up. But the minute that they start realizing you have little like, you know, ticks or like, you know, start picking up on certain patterns, the they'll, they'll, defenses will find something.
1: We, we see that a lot, actually, in the NFL where the backup will come in, especially on a team that's like they're having issues at the quarterback position. Someone will come in and they're a relative unknown and they'll just light shit up for three weeks and everyone will think they're the they're the fucking answer and that's by that point they've gotten enough film on you to see your little ticks and see what you're really doing daniel jones his
0: best game was that game against tampa week three in 2019 which was his first start
3: It's all about learning like patterns and tendencies and things like that. And it, it makes sense that in the second half of the season, Kyler Murray wasn't as good because he's playing all of those division teams a second time and they now have film on him from that year. And they couple that with everything he's done with years prior. It just, it's just snowballs. And I think the, the quarterbacks that are able to stick around long enough are able to diversify like, their patterns and their tendencies to keep people off guard, or at least they're good enough where they're able to get away with it. Like I would, I would imagine that Tom Brady probably even now is still dedicating a shit ton of time to just watch film and learn other people's people's patterns and tendencies. So he can adapt to those.
1: Tom, Tom Brady specifically strikes me as someone who's more, interested in what his competition's doing than most people, too. I mean, I think
3: that also plays into, like, he wasn't the most talented guy coming out of the draft. Kyler Murray was – he was the number one overall pick, right? Or yeah. was he the second?
0: He was, he was the number one overall pick in 2019. And, by the way, also a first-round pick in the MLB draft um, by the Oakland Athletics the year before. So he he was very sought after and, obviously, very talented individual. He's yeah, super
3: and- athletic. Yeah, and he could be super smart too, but I think there's a difference between like being book smart and being able to understand like the changing dynamics of what's going on on a field. And that's a common thing we see with like super talented players where, you know, they were playing in college and they didn't have to really study a whole lot because they were just better than everybody else. The difference between college and professional sports is everybody there, was, everybody in professional sports was really good at where they played. Well, and now then, now it's you're playing against guys who are all Americans instead of like you're playing against one guy who's an all American
1: and and i think you know like that also goes to like i think everybody in the NFL is watching film on who they're playing is doing that that type of study work week to week if you're not putting that in you're putting yourself at a disadvantage and i don't think a team is is going to be interested in in paying somebody that's not interested in doing the best for themselves. You know,
3: can we reframe that too? Like if you're his teammate and he he says that line, because both of you guys, I think all three of us played like big people positions in football in high school. Where A lot of it is understanding technique. A lot of it is practice and a lot of it is anticipating what other people are going to do. If like, if you're his offensive line and you say, and you hear him say like, I don't study that much. It's not that big of a deal. Like if I guys
1: are spending hours every day doing it. Yeah.
3: If I'm a third round pick, I have to justify every day why I'm here versus the first round pick that like says that this isn't a really big priority for me. He's like the Jared Kushner of the NFL. Oh,
2: what a piece of <laughs> shit. Oh, God.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, Jamarcus Russell is the Hunter Biden of it then.
0: So, <laughs> yes. so, so, Tom, shifting gears, we're kind of staying in the NFL for a minute. Because I, 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 wanna, I want you to guess. We don't know who this is, by the way. A anonymous. Well, we're, we're get We're getting there. <laughs>
3: It's Gil Brandt. If it's anonymous and it's shitty, it's probably him. I I think it's I think it's I think it's somebody else.
0: This is an anonymous defensive coordinator in the NFL about Lamar Jackson. Got to be
3: Jack Del Rio then.
0: (laughs) If he has to pass to win the game, they ain't winning the game. He's so unique as an athlete, and he's a really good football player. But I don't give a shit if he wins the league MVP twelve times. I don't think he'll ever be one as a quarterback. He'll be one as a football player, but not as a quarterback. Jack Del Rio?
3: 100%. <laughs>
0: it's got to be.
3: And I can't wait as a, a Washington Commies fan um, for Lamar Jackson to seize the means of moral destruction against Jack Del Rio <laughs> if they play each other this year. They always play each other in the, in the preseason, but I hope to God the Ravens play the Washington football team communist party. Um, And they just level them fucking 50 to nothing.
0: It's it's pretty amazing to me that after all this time, Lamar Jackson still gets this level of disrespect. It's, it amazes
3: uh, me that Jack Del Rio through all this time, it still has a fucking job in the NFL. And he's not like digging ditches somewhere in <laughs> Topeka. <laughs> you know what, though? I I love
1: that everyone's giving Lamar Jackson a hard time, not because I think he deserves it. I think he's. An amazing talent, and he's hardworking and everything. But that when he when it finally does pay off, how much sweeter it's going to be when he he's able to fucking rub it in their fucking faces.
3: He's already. I'm waiting for that
1: payoff for him so much. You know, the only I mean? thing
0: the only thing that's eluded him is like playoff. You know, playoff. Yeah, that,
1: the, the, Right now, he's known as like a choke artist because I don't think they've won a
3: they've won a playoff game
1: since, right? Or ever. Yeah, but no,
3: at the same time though, why does that matter? Cause Matt Stafford was a choke artist in the playoffs and everyone said he was like fucking God's gift.
0: Stat stat. Well, stat Padford. Remember stat. Padford? Yeah.
3: It, Thanks. it just blows my mind that a former NFL MVP who plays quarterback still does not get the same level of respect as the shittiest humans who also play that position and are not nearly as capable. And I would imagine that I think that there's a level of, like, institutionalized racism in the That's NFL. A million There's, no, que- there's no question I mean, about that. That but, was uh,
1: that was kind of on the nose of exactly what was what that whole thing is about. Yeah, right? and it, it just
3: it, it flabbergasts me. Like, if that person – if you were to ask that person, well, do you want Lamar Jackson on your team, yes or no, and they say no, it's like, okay, out of everybody who was drafted that year, who would you take? Who would you fucking take, Jack?
1: <laughs> fucking answer us, Jack. What would you, you would you take Jack?
3: Baker Mayfield, who has not panned out? Would you take any of the other fucking goons that were in that draft? That I don't remember who they are. God, Jack Del Rio is a fucking douche.
2: They
0: do not play each other this year, unfortunately.
1: Damn. Wait, wait, wait hold on, hold on, hold on, real quick. Jack Del Rio is how old?
3: He's like 50. He's He's a big guy. He's about to be
1: 60. His wife was born when we were born.
3: Gross. And he has a kid. He has a kid that played at Florida. Yes. Just for everybody who's keeping score at home. It's Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson, Mason Rudolph, Kyle Lauletta, who's still late to practice, by the way, Mike White, Luke Falk, Tanner Lee, Danny Etling, Alex McGoof, Logan Woodside, and those are all the quarterbacks, aside from Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, who one could make the argument they kind of play the same kind of game.
0: Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Um, it's, yeah, I, I would say they're their prototypes are uh, guys who can attack you um, both with their legs and both with their arms. So I think the only they, thing.
3: The only thing that's different is just different sizes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Josh Allen's a ridiculous, like, 6'5", 260 pounds. Yeah. But, Uh, I mean,
3: comparable to all those other fucking jerk-offs, like Mason Rudolph, like, nah, we're good. The the talent drop-off was pretty significant. significant. Sam Dernald, you're getting more forehead than you are talent. (laughs) Dernald. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Sam Donald. That reminds Sam me, Darnold. are
3: the Giants playing the Panthers this year?
0: Uh I believe so.
3: Are they playing in Carolina? Uh
0: I will be able to tell you in a minute.
1: Giants and Panthers play September eighteenth at one PM in New York.
0: Shit. Ooh. Well, well, Tom, that's- it's a perfect opportunity for you to come up.
3: Yep. I'm not a Giants fan, though.
0: You're not a Panthers Panthers fan, either. No, but I live here.
3: (laughs) I had that going for me, at least.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Fucking stop being a bitch and come up here.
3: I might have to. What was it, October 18th? September.
1: I mean, we can look Hmm. at Giants' schedule here and see if there's a
3: better suited game, too. I mean, there's only one football team in Charlotte, North Carolina. So, I mean, you
1: could come for a preseason. Watch the uh, Bengals whoop that ass on the Giants.
0: Yeah, we, but Burrow's probably not going to play that much.
1: No, no. We got Titans, Panthers, Cowboys, Bears, the Bears, the do, do Ravens, Hornets, Yags, Seahawks. Oh, you want to try to make it like a triple threat? try to go to a football game a basketball game and a hockey hockey game all in like uh, a two day span
3: not particularly no, because that's a like a mortgage payment right there and just <laughs> ticket fees
1: well you know what if you play the goddamn mega millions maybe this won't be a problem
0: what I, right. are I don't I don't ever play I don't usually ever play it but I'm like it's too much money it's and I know what?
1: 810 million because random happenstance Come on, you never know. You literally, I'm, I've literally just nit, used you, every You,
0: yeah, you literally cliche. just used, that was literally their fucking slogan. Hey, you never know.
1: <laughs> Tom, Tom doesn't believe in Lotto ever. He's like, Tom, like Tom's not the, pilled on Lotto. The
3: slogan should have just been like, "Come on, you pussy."
1: <laughs> that would have probably been very effective.
3: Isn't I don't it, mind, I don't mind playing the Lotto. I've done it in the past. I just. I know that the odds are so insane that I'm probably not going to win. Yeah, but and like... I, I do think there amount. is a method to it, though.
1: Yeah, what, what is your theory on this?
3: I don't he really have it. A... He, he says there's a method, and then he... <laughs> I, I think that there is like... I don't know if this is actually the case, but I think there is a method as to where those winning tickets are sent.
0: Like Willy Wonka's fucking golden tickets?
3: Maybe. Who knows? We did that last week, guys.
0: Callback. It's called a callback, Gato.
1: Yeah. No, no, I was just reminding uh, our listeners, but you too had to take it that way. Fucking assholes. <laughs> um, there there are ways to slightly increase your odds. It's just still so...
3: Buying more. Infanti-
1: well, there's always <laughs> that. Yeah, sure. If you can spend, you know, if, if you have a... Uh, but you can also just play the same numbers every week, every drawing, from the same place at the same time and in theory your odds would get better because it's like roulette the longer it goes without hitting those numbers the better your odds become Mm. technically in in logic but it's not true
3: (laughs) i think the odds are better of playing like the low level like lottery ones where it's like 15 or 20 bucks because the odds are better Because thinking like you're gonna spend that amount of money to get it, so it's gonna be negligible.
0: I I went on a hot run with with one of those tickets, uh, the win for life, uh, the ten dollar one. So it's win five thousand dollars a week for life. I like just randomly bought like two of them and I won like I think like a hundred bucks off of it. So I went back and I got like three more and I won like another like 150 off of them i'm like oh my God, i got a good i got a good batch and i just i i was on a hot streak for so long i was up like a couple hundred dollars and then like you know just luck ran out
1: yeah i read an article that this lady she she wins by finding like the games that have like the scratch-offs that are no longer being made but are still out there right like the rolls have been sold or whatever to the different convenience stores you f- she goes and she finds those and she looks at the odds of like who's won the jackpots on them. And if they're low, she buys like all of them, hmm. those discontinued ones, because that means that there's still some winners out there.
0: Interesting approach um, there. Where, where do you buy those rolls from, though?
1: Well, you you, know, you just literally buy, you just keep buying the tickets till they're out of the rolls. You ask them how many uh, you got,
3: and you just buy the whole fucking roll. <laughs> I would <laughs> imagine, too, that like it's. You probably know which ones are continued and which ones are discontinued. And you could see, like, you know, there's a lot here. So let's just buy them up now.
1: Yeah. Cause they keep records on how many, how many people have won jackpots and big wins off of those things. You do the math, you can figure it out. But like, that's a lot of work and a lot of capital. And you still aren't guaranteed shit.
0: Would you guys prefer a big, like, a big payday or would you guys prefer something more in the line of like, $5,000 a week for life.
3: Lump sum. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: In this economy,
0: they have a cash option. So, if $810 million is the cash option is 471 million. I'm fine with that. Then you got to pay a mandatory 24% federal tax withholding. Uh so that would take you down about 112. So, you're still walking away with probably about 358.
2: Clean.
1: I mean, it all depends on like if you win. First off, you go out and you get a lawyer that deals with just this yeah. specific type of instance. Lotto lawyers. They'll usually set you up with financial people. Typically, what they do is you receive the um, the winnings under a trust yep. or a uh, and an LLC, and then uh, they'll also usually they'll have a way of then diverging. Like if I want to give you guys money, it would be done there. So I wouldn't have to pay the tax burden and you wouldn't have to pay the tax burden, losing that money uh, for both of us. Yeah. So there's all sorts of things that are involved there. So if you do end up winning, please take the second mouse advice, go out, find yourself a credible lotto lawyer. And uh, don't forget us. Um, remember we gave you that great advice. We hope you win. We hope all of our listeners win.
0: Except that I hope they don't win. I hope I win.
1: However, we will not care about you if we win.
0: No. I you will be... only
1: use my money for evil.
0: <laughs> I will become a Bond villain if I get this money. Yes, you will not I, want to see me.
1: I am retrofitting every shark with a freaking laser beam, okay?
0: <laughs> I will be building my own death star. <laughs>
1: Yes, it's and it's only there to just stop Bezos and Musk from fucking getting <laughs> into space. Like, every time they try to fucking put something just... up there, it gets blown to <laughs> shit.
0: NASA, you're cool, bro. Don't worry about it. I'm not <laughs> gonna do anything to you. But, Bezos, if I see you up there, you're fucking done.
1: <laughs> I would call it Death Star Industries, too. Like- yes. <laughs> for sure.
0: So, the odds tonight are 1 in 302 million.
1: Is that is that for tonight? Yep. Oh, I thought the drawing was tomorrow.
0: No, nah, uh, no, I believe it's Mondays
3: and Wednesdays, right? And this is uh, the that New that York State Powerball. Lotto,
1: right? That's Powerball. No, this is uh, Mega Millions.
3: Well, I hope what? some of that money goes to education.
1: Me- Mega Millions next drawing is Tuesday.
0: Um, 7, oh, so it's oh, yeah. so it's tomorrow. Okay. Yeah.
1: Uh, actually, I think all of so like the way it works is like one dollar goes towards the jackpot. The other actually does go to education and other other funds like that, which I don't understand why we don't have free education, if that's the case.
3: Well, the the but, whole lotto system was designed specifically for New York State education. And like, huh. you have to think after a while, there have been so many people that have like paid into the lotto system that, you know, there wouldn't be nearly as many problems. But I think with any good thing, it gets kind of cannibalized by other things. I would imagine a lot of it probably pays for like state employee retirement and benefits now.
1: That's probably a big part of it is that it's paying that pensions and stuff. Mm-hmm. But hey, if it's keeping if it's keeping taxes down and other things like that, I'm all for it, you know, whatever whatever it is, it's contributing positively. What's That's that- why a
3: lot of places have gone to like other forms of gambling as well and, you know, CBD and shit like that because they know that they can make money off of it and tax it. So, um, if it's okay, guys, I'd love to transition to two questions that I posed in our Discord channel the other day. All right. Cool. So, I was thinking of some questions to ask you guys a couple of days ago, and there are two that came to mind that I wanted to get your thoughts on. Um, The first one is because we are trending towards the start of another school year. What do you wish you had known in high school that you know now? So what could you tell your younger self something that you already know now that would be helpful for a younger you? Gatto, uh, mas- I want to start with you, Gatto,
1: Masturbation won't make your palms hairy. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know.
0: <laughs> how many so, how many how many years are we going back here?
1: I it's just high school. high school. High general. school in uh, general. you know, like I was thinking about that one a little bit earlier um, and I think one of the things I probably would have really liked to have known was that like the 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 habits you develop early on in life tend to stay with you better through life. And if I had done some better habit, like had made some better habits then I think uh, that would have been a good thing like in terms of maybe like learning how to be organized or structured, like things like that, also that like when you're in high school and stuff, everybody is so fucking uncool, and there's nobody <laughs> that you should be trying to fucking in press, or it's not, like, a fucking competition. Like, I felt like, like, and I don't know if that was just from playing sports and whatnot, but, like, there was always, like, constant competition. You know what I mean? And none of that is fucking relevant. It's all, like, it's all a race against yourself, really. So those are probably two things that I can think of right now off the top of my head.
3: Yeah, those are two good ones in the sense of, like, the habit building piece is so critical and it like reflects on so many other parts of your life, but also imagine how genuine and human people could be if they didn't try to like get into a pissing contest with their friends or people that they knew in high school where it's, there are so many internal factors of why people are assholes, like hormones and things like that. But also there's that societal component to like, Oh, that's the rich kid or that's the poor kids. Like none of that's your money though. Like,
1: yeah. Like, like just in general, just chasing the cool, like nobody's cool. If you're trying to be cool, you're just cool. If you're cool. Like, yeah,
3: (laughs) I think that's a list thing. I think that's one thing that I have, I've, really started to pay attention to as i've gotten older is the older i've gotten the less i give a shit about like ego and things like that i just i don't have time for it like i'm not trying to build a persona of who i am it's more so this is me i'm 34 years old if you don't like it fuck yourself i can find other people that do
1: I think like a little bit of that journey is important too, mm-hmm. because you don't, you won't see the flip side. If you're, you know, like you, you still need to understand that there are moments when you do need to go with the group or work towards that. Cause like in business, in work, it is still, there's still popularity contests fucking everywhere. It's yeah. it runs rampant through every part of our culture. And I think that's why it's part of the whole growing up experience. And no one tells you not to do it. Right. But at the flip side to know that like there are time and place for it and, and that's, what's kind of important.
3: Yeah. So I think those are, those are two pretty handy ones to keep in the back of your mind. Q, what are yours?
0: So the way I think about it is like the certain failures of the public education system in preparing you for what colleges and also um, what real life is. I've always felt like there should have been a class that like teaches you how to do your taxes and how to like write a fucking check, although like no one really writes checks anymore. Um but I I think there should have been more focus on I wish I had more focus on um what college really is. God and I were actually talking about this today that like I would have leaned heavier into tech a lot earlier than I did. Uh, because I think you get illusion that you're going to get a business degree and then you're going to walk into a six figure salary and, you know, game over, whatever, you know, you're done. Um, I wish I had realized like that corporate structures are a lot harder to navigate than initially expected. So I would have leaned more heavily into more of like an independent, uh, technology. So, uh, I think I think it's more of like I-, I think there's a failure to prepare young kids because when you go to college, you're essentially paying a lot of money to pick a avenue in which to study, right? And your what you study ultimately dictates what you're going to do in your life. Now, it's not always the case, right? You know, some people goto oh, you're a poli-sci major and you went you went down the technology way so there there's there there are differences it's it's not going to pigeonhole you for life but um it can certainly provide you a bigger assistance so uh i think i think the, i wish i had known I, w- I think i wish i had had a better um structure in which i to because i kind of i kind of just like just chose randomly as far as uh far as a going for college. So I wish I had, I wish I, I if I, I would have had more of a plan, I think if I was more responsible with it, but like, that's just yeah. being a high school kid.
1: I mean, it's also, I think we'll all kind of agree with this one. It's a little crazy that we expect after 18 years and like going through the American education system. That's so generalist that you'll have an idea about like what specialized field you want to go into you know, is, is kind of hard. Like they do. Yeah, they do. I remember there was a, there was like a job fair. They'd have people come in and talk to you about the jobs you were most interested in. Um, But like, that's not, that's, that's fucking two hours of your fucking high school education that you, you had, that's not great work. You know what I mean? And otherwise like talking to family members or something that's, That's what a lot of people had is like an interpretation. If you come from like a blue collar area, like, like we did, chances are like, you know, you're going to get certain answers more than others. Like I got told, yeah, find a good union job or, you know, something, something construction trade would work great or, you know, or just go straight for the moon and become like a fucking surgeon. Right. Those were your, those were the things people were telling me here you know, and and only one teacher told me, you know what, you might be good in law. And so that's why I ended up with a poli sci degree, because it was like a prerequisite to going into law school, which was not in the cards for me.
3: Yeah. And, you know, I think that I think you bring up a good point, Gatto, in the sense of there is so much pressure as a young person who still doesn't even have their own identity figured out to find a career path that early where you actually have no tangible experience in business or you have no tangible experience in law. Honestly, the only ones you might have any kind of tangible actual experience is if you're like in a BOCES program or a tech program where you can do that kind of hands on like experiential learning Mm -hmm. And it's not,
1: it's not built into our education system.
3: It's not because ultimately like business majors or people who want to work in business is, is really where people are pushed to because it's the quickest way to make money. And, you know, I was an education major and I worked in a different form of education for a couple of years. And now I work in education technology and it's, it's just very interesting to see how many of the people that I work with now, how their paths converged where we are now, but also at the same time when I was in grad school for another education degree, how many people came from other areas? Like we had music majors, we had theater majors, we had business, we had English majors. We had so many people who were told to do this whether it was by like this is their passion major or this is the major they thought they'd be able to be successful in, they ended up in this program. And I want to say there should be more accountability for like guidance counselors to really like flesh out what students, their passions are and what their strength areas are. But at the same time, I recognize that you guys went to a school where there was what 800 people that were in your graduating class it's impossible
1: 745 or something
3: yeah yeah Yeah. so 745 people and you probably had one guidance counselor or one college i think i think think
0: we had like two yeah yeah
3: and even that that's 400 people and then you also have to worry about the junior class as well and i i just think that's too much to work on especially for folks to go to a public school versus like if you go to a private like academy quote-unquote you probably have enough money to have a college counselor that your parents pay for to do it and you get all that shit kind of tracked out for you
0: yeah i just want to make a quick point i think this is why like i think for like like we talk about free college right and i think it is actually kind of important because having the ability to be in a college environment for like two years doing gen ed shit um i learned more like what i was more passionate about in those scenarios because i was able to take kind of a sprinkling of different types of classes and like was able to to really kind of get through experiences but like the problem is now you're paying for those and it's like you don't want to be put in a situation where you're paying for something that you're not like ultimately going to go for right so um that that's that's where like i think having two years of like like an after like a like a pre-college type of thing where it really does kind of set you up and like let's say you finish up your gen ed so you can really just focus on your major uh once you kind of pick your primary focus would be more helpful but like that's why i think like a free college is really ultimately where we need to go
1: well it kind of lowers the stakes and i think getting back to to that point Tom, that you also made about, like, you know, there's one person for or two people for, you know, um, a huge graduating class and they're dealing with the underclassmen as well. Um, I have to give New York some credit here because they've recently signed a law limiting class sizes in the next five years to 20 students in kindergarten through third grade, 23 students for grades four through eight, and 25 students in high school. So, I, I, I don't think i I don't recall in high school having anything less than 25 in my classes
3: like it was probably a very niche course if you did like it was probably yeah. an elective as your senior year
1: yeah actually I, and I don't th- I don't recall having too many um, elective classes like that that weren't packed too
3: yeah. I, I mean, there's there's a lot of data out there that shows the smaller class sizes are 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 beneficial because yeah. students get more one-on-one interaction with a with a teacher, but also if there's a teaching assistant in the room too, that only just expands the reach. So, I mean, I'm glad to see that. I I know that we we shit on Florida quite a bit, but you know, I think one thing that Ron DeSantis has done that's probably forward-thinking is in signing a bill where high school students have to have some kind of financial counseling or financial literacy course that they have to take in high school to just get a handle on what it means to be an adult and have to manage your own finances, whether it's actual like a financial literacy course, or it's just like a libertarian, like utopia where you don't have to pay taxes and, you know, this is a sovereign state and the U S government doesn't actually exist. And
0: say with me, <laughs> kids, taxation is, is theft.
3: theft. <laughs> it's just somebody from the John Birch society yelling at like these 19 year old kids for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that's your, like, that's your SAT prep where it's like, okay, you're going to go to this class on a Saturday 8am and just be shamed by somebody who thinks that like you're a piece of shit because your parents pay like, parking fees
0: that sounds like the daily wire version of the breakfast club
3: oh 100
0: <laughs> tom what are your uh what are some things that you wish you knew
3: you know yeah. speaking of the sat i wish that i had known and i was able to tell my younger self that the sat does not fucking matter and uh-huh. i say when i when i say the sat does not matter i mean it in a couple of different areas one it's a made up test That doesn't actually tracks like aptitude or intelligence, but also to preparing for the SAT is not you like doing problem after problem after problem. There is in fact a formula of how to take that test where you can score high. You just need to know how to do it. Um, That book that I test
1: taker, right?
3: Well, there's like strategies that you can employ as well, where you basically cut out a lot of the fluff and like a lot of the SAT is designed to fill like pages and to trick you. I'm just
1: saying isn't it part of it's like it's an overwhelmingly large each section's kind of overwhelmingly large so that it forces you, forces you to either go through it fast and not and not answer things thoroughly or thoroughly answer things but not get through it fast, right? Yeah, there's
3: there's a component of that. Um that book that I referenced earlier um, I think the title of it is The Years That Matter Most. I only say I think because the, I believe the title of the book has changed recently. Um, but they're talking to an SAT counselor who basically tells the students that he works with. Granted, all of these students are like super affluent, and they're basically taking the Aspen 270, like the top 270 schools in the United States, and they're drawing a line at number 30. Like, these are all the schools you can apply to. Um, This guy is basically saying like the SAT is bullshit and you shouldn't study the material that's going to be on the test. You should just learn how to take the test and you don't need to worry about the equations that are going to be on there or the things that they're going to ask you in the reading writing section. You just need to look for these cues and he did it for the SAT and he did it for the ACT and these students who were really smart, but they were, you know, they had test anxiety and things like that they were able to incrementally improve their scores and get into places like Yale, Dartmouth, Penn, Harvard, places like that. And I wish as a younger person, and I still have test anxiety pretty bad. I bombed my fucking GRE because of it. I wish I had known that there is a method to it that is not you sitting in front of an SAT prep book and going page after page after page. And there's also, you don't have to go to those fucking classes because they don't actually teach you anything.
1: So I'm assuming that you, you did do a lot of that prep work and took a lot of like practice tests and all that stuff.
3: I did, and I did horribly on the SAT. I, my my reading and writing was really good. My math was a fucking dumpster fire.
0: Me too. Me too.
3: Q, Q did you prep for it or anything?
0: No, and I, I, I didn't really at all. And I actually only took it once. And I took it in 10th grade and I, I took it in 10th grade because that was the last 1600 tests Mm. and they were moving to the writing, uh, where it was going to push it to 2400. So I wanted to take it while 1600. I I don't remember exactly what I got, but I was like, Oh, it's good. And then I just was like, I I had, I thought about taking it again in 11th and 12th grade and I just never did. So I just kind of let it, let it ride. But I always knew, I always knew I was going to go to Suffolk anyway. To like, as a cheat, like again, like I was saying, you go. I went to Suffolk for two years to get the Gen Ed stuff out of the way, so I wasn't paying thirty thousand dollars a year to, you know, do my preliminary math and language courses, like which is bullshit. Like, why am I going to do that? So then I got all the Gen Ed stuff out of the way, and then I I transferred over to St. Joe's.
3: And, you know, I I wish there were more people that knew that, though, too. And I think that's the second thing. And I apologize if all of mine are, like, education-based. But this book has kind of inspired me in the sense that we, at least in my school, we looked down on so many people who were like, oh, I'm going to go to Suffolk and do that for a while. And there's the people who are like, I'm going to Quinnipiac, this $45,000-a-year school. And (laughs) – They take the same – they take the exact same course that – Pay out-of-state tuition to take the right. exact same fucking mm-hmm. courses. And we I knew so many people that would do that. And it was such like a like a, a stigma that you were going to go to community college. But those people made out. Like you go to community college for two years, you pay peanuts. And then you can tra- you do well and you could transfer to any school you want because you're a transfer student. You already have all the grades. You're desirable. You're older.
0: There were kids that transferred to Harvard, right after after Suffolk because they like they nailed it, and like you know a family member of mine went to Suffolk for two years, got into a nursing program, finished at Suffolk, and then got a like a you know like a nursing job for like eighty k a year, like
3: yeah, killing it, crushing it, and I think that's just the thing that was never. I I think this is also what like four-year traditional university say is like, oh, you don't want to go to a community college because that degree is not going to matter because they want somebody to go to school for four years. It's, but it's,
0: if, a, it's a it's a trick. It's, yeah. it's a total a, trick.
3: It's a But, if, but yeah. imagine if you went to Hofstra for a year, right, where it's $50,000 a year to go there. And let's say, like, God forbid, like, it didn't work out. And you're saddled with, like, $87,000 in debt. Or you were somebody who didn't understand the loan structure process like so many other people and you take out private loans and the interest rate is fucking insane. Cause it's not managed to the department of education. And you know, you, you only go to school for a semester or for a year, but that debt just follows you around the whole time and you don't have anything to show for it either. Is there, nowhere are, to pay it. Are, yeah.
1: are there any, um, has there ever been any, can you guys recall any times maybe like a community college has sued a you know a four-year college or a higher ed learning college for for like disparaging their name or whatever has that has that ever happened because i i was looking that up i'm looking it up right now too and i just can't seem to find that
0: i don't i don't know i think the stigma was more public homegrown yeah, yeah. It, it was just at a percent i think it's built into your Perception like, of how you see yourself um, Amongst like It's just normal teenager shit Right because you see Like oh I'm going to fucking Rutgers and I'm going to Miami And I'm going like here and you're like You think about all these people going to different places And, and you get kind of like you get kind of like down on yourself, like, oh, why am I going here? But then you realize, like, it's just a strategy. That's the way I looked at it. That's the way I always rationalized it was like, I'm going here because like, I don't know what I want to do yet. I don't want to commit to a major that I'm not sure of yet. So I went to Suffolk. I went there for two years. I got really into marketing and advertising uh, because of some of the classes that I took there. So I I steered towards marketing. It was a mistake still. But, like, at least it was a cheaper mistake that I made. Um, All my Suffolk loans are already been paid off forever. So, like, they've been paid off a long time ago to where my St. Joe's. And that was another mistake I made. I should have just went to a SUNY school. I went to St. Joe's because I was like, oh, it's a more prestigious school. And I was like, I wanted to go there more. So, and, like, so much more expensive. Not even,
1: you know. Yeah, Yeah, I just, the only reason I had asked about, like, because I think culturally, this is something that goes across the, like, it's across, like, our culture um, as a society is this kind of notion about, like, community college being a discount type of college. Because, like, you have shows like Community that mm-hmm. just, like, rip it, you know. Rip it's the butt of a joke, over. yeah. You know who I would love to ask this question to is the Knowing Better guy. Yeah, I would love him to do a segment on this.
3: Um, I, I will say, though, that it's a very northeastern thing or a very east coast thing to kind of bag on community and technical colleges. Because if you look out west, if you look at places like California and Washington and Oregon and Texas, their community college systems are huge.
1: Yeah. Interesting. I, I would say, OK, maybe there. But, yeah, Midwestern would probably be more like the east coast. Damn because... New York elites. No, no. But like. Like in the middle of the country, man, like you go to one of the big schools or you don't go like that's like that's kind of how it is. Also, they they do it a little bit different where it's like the state, the state university, like University of Nebraska is kind of like the state school. It's the SUNY, but it's it's much more prestigious in in a lot of ways. However, there are plenty of other good schools like Creighton and stuff in Nebraska, um, which no one's you know, going to give you grief for going there. However, there will be a rivalry because everyone believes Nebraska is (laughs) superior.
3: The N on the helmet stands for knowledge. (laughs) 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 There's also a higher percentage of like small private liberal arts colleges in the Northeast as well. And that's where a lot of that like propagates from where they think like it's a private school, it must be a better education. And more often than not, it's not um, because a lot of those schools are tuition driven. So if you know, if somebody fails out, that's one less bed on campus that's not filled, and that's forty-eight, fifty, sixty thousand dollars that's not in the revenue stream.
1: I mean, in general, education has become kind of like a um, like over important in some ways, and I'm saying education is very important. Do not get me wrong, learning new things, knowledge, acquiring skills, very important. However, um, the book I've been reading about the Supreme Court talks about. The Supreme Court has severely gutted fucking education in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. What actually it came up in was the workers um, chapter. At a certain point when you could no longer discriminate who got a job based on race, they had to come up with things like literacy tests and knowledge tests. And that's when you start to see that education becomes important. And then when that becomes illegal to use certain like literary literacy tests for job qualifications then the next thing was to basically have someone have to build a resume through their experience and whatnot so college became a stand-in for that experience and so a lot of like the standard idea of getting an education was actually just like a way for Like racism systemically to prevail in the workplace because disadvantaged poor and people, people of color were unable to obtain these higher levels of education. Yep, and I think we all made this judgment that we needed to go and get these degrees because it was the way in, and it became a value for us after a while. But the reality was that the only reason it's ever been there is to keep the elite at the top, right? The to keep
3: well if you go back to the Truman Commission which was to determine like how the US government was going to aid like returning GIs with the through the GI bill that's where you get the community college system and it was initially designed to be completely free completely desegregated and anybody could go there and get an education you could get a full education you could you know take a class you can get a certification but it was basically the the de- desegregation component is what stalled it and turned it into what it is today so education has constantly been used to continue to keep people either oppressed or out of the means of bettering their lives it's just how it's deployed in certain places
1: And I think that's why there's right now, there's the big movement to like not do the traditional four year thing, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Not, not get that college education one, because like where we used to have to, I think like society's changed a lot in one way that like our parents' generation, they received a lot of their knowledge handed down from their elders, right? Right. Their grandparents, from their parents we basically replaced our parents with YouTube. I can get more knowledge on a lot of things from YouTube and learn a lot more life lessons through YouTube than I can through my parents. It's And it's no, no indictment on them. They're wonderful people and they have a lot to share and I do value what they have to say. However, if I need to learn certain skills, I can now go get them way easier on the internet.
3: It's an access thing too. Like yeah. you, you can go onto YouTube and find somebody who's got like a thousand people that have liked a video and gotten and has reviewed it, like it's a five out of five. So you know it's going to be good. Versus, like you don't necessarily know who's going to have that skill that you can ask.
1: Which is also dangerous in the sense that this is someone who's doing this for their own ulterior motives. Right. Whereas someone who's telling you, like some sort of valuable lesson because they personally know you and care for you, you're going to get a little different of a, uh, an education, right?
3: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm going to move on to that second question now. So if there is a time you could go back to in the last five years, what would it be? Q you go. The
0: last five years.
3: Definitely could have voted
1: harder in 2016.
3: I mean, you can you can limit it. <laughs> yeah, you piece of shit. <laughs> I would have just voted harder, guys. Um... <laughs> you would have just pressed down harder on the. I would have
0: I would have pulled the lever so hard it would have fucking ripped off,
1: smashed it like a like button. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I. It's hard for me to say
0: because, like that, that only puts me at thirty-one years old. So, I mean, like in the last few years, I actually think I've done better in the last few years than I have uh, in my early twenties. So, um, I don't know.
3: Tom, what about you? I I I put a limit on there of five years because I didn't know how overwhelming it might be to be like in your lifetime or the last 10 years. So this is going to sound really, really tacky, but my wife's going to love it. I would like the woman I related to by marriage. I would like to go back to my wedding day. And the reason why is because there's like a handful of things I remember because we were running around all throughout the entire day. I wish I can go back and just remember more of it. Like the things that I remember are so like random and minuscule. Like I remember our wedding planner, like gave us like plates of food. Cause she said, you're going to forget to eat. You should eat now. Or I remember seeing certain people there and saying hi to them for the first time in a long time. I don't remember like from start to finish. And I wish that I could go back and remember that more because
1: Well, that's why you got the photos.
3: Well, I, I, you know, we spent like a year planning this thing, and I only remember like bits and pieces of it because I'm fucking running all over the place to make this
0: work. That's pretty normal. That's pretty. It's a pretty normal thing, yeah. Because like, I have I used to bartend a lot of weddings, so you see that like you're getting ripped in like fifteen million different directions. So it's it's not yeah. You miss. You don't even get to enjoy the food that you guys pick out. Barely get yeah. to enjoy the drinks and then like the cake and everything else. And then actually meeting people.
3: I don't but, think I had any cake to be honest with you. No,
0: I I'm sure you didn't, <laughs>
3: uh, but you know what, Tom,
1: I would like to say that's not a tacky. Um, no, not at all. At all. And, and I would actually go further to say that that brings up Mike, a, a good general answer to this question. That is that there are moments where we spend running around doing lots of things, that aren't necessarily they they're for us but they're not necessarily at our enjoyment in ways and sometimes they can be way more enjoyable but we don't give ourselves that break to take that moment in right so
3: it's that sense of presence
1: yes yeah so i totally i totally get that one and there's been lots of moments i feel like that have blown by in the last 5 years that i didn't take in like what was going on here and now because I was mentally in the future or mentally in the past on something. I wasn't present, you know?
3: Yeah. And there's a difference too between like you just being busy and running around and the other thing is, the other side of it is like being completely fixated on social media and shit like that. I think there's a difference between just being busy in the moment and just being distracted in the moment. Do a lot of that. (laughs) What do you
1: guys got? So one thing, okay. This is a this is actually a tacky one, but um, right about so it would be slightly past five years, but you could have gotten on the train still then, I think. Um, dude, I was I had gone back to college, right, and I was sitting in this class talking about emerging emerging technologies, and this dude in a kilt came up and he started talking preaching. The future of cryptocurrency. Oh, (laughs) fucking god! And I really, you know, like at that time, at that time, Bitcoin wasn't the scam that it had become. I'm gonna say
0: it's always been a scam, but it wasn't. It wasn't a widely accepted scam.
1: Well, (laughs) at the the time, it was still academic, right? You could. It wasn't a chic scam, yeah. Dude, you could buy. You at the time, you could buy Bitcoin for cents on the dollar, and this dude in his kilt that he would wear to every class every day um he probably had you know 10 grand in fucking bitcoin somewhere and now he's he's fucking a millionaire walking around and his killed somewhere like you know what i mean like he's he's crushing it because he he taught me a lesson that i think that I, i that from now on i've kind of held on to and that's like you have to stay with the times too like not presence of mind, but like when new technology comes out, you can't be afraid of it because you don't know it. You have to try to learn it and understand it and keep with it because you don't want to get caught in like left behind on a lot of this stuff because it, it moves fast and it changes things quick. And I think that's what that lesson ultimately really comes down to.
3: Technology and innovation in general move a lot faster than people think it will. And I think everyone sees it as, like, another microwave. Like, the technology has not changed. Like, the technology is still there for a microwave, and it has not changed in 25 years. But I think with things like that, particularly with software, things can be so advanced before you even get your mind wrapped around it. And people think, like, oh, it's a fad. It's not going to last. Like, it might not, but there's money to be made in it.
1: Dude, I mean, just in this communication, like – the networking your internet like how all of this is happening right now how we're able to do this over this web gui and record and it's all high quality like all of this going on right now is like a foundation of so many things that have taken years and years to develop and perfect and it's truly it truly is fucking amazing it's a great feat that we don't give it enough credit for but um, we take it
3: for granted. Thank you, Mr. Bezos. <laughs>
0: that's supreme. Dude, he, he that's supreme so leader. online.
1: We give him way too much credit. That's a guy that gets way too much credit.
3: Well, I don't think he created any of this shit, but he just was smart enough to start Amazon Web Services and just fucking owns like 84% of the Internet. Now.
0: Uh, you guys should thank Al Gore, the inventor of the Internet.
3: Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Al. <laughs> much love.
0: I I so I, I'm gonna go a little bit further back than five years too. And it would be I would have left my one job a lot earlier than I did.
2: Ooh.
0: And I think it's a I think it's a good lesson for young people that it it's a lesson you'll learn about companies is that when they show you who they are, believe them. Mm-hmm. And if they disrespect you once, they will disrespect you multiple times after that. So like, no matter how many times, like they apologize or whatever, you will ultimately, and this is going to happen to you any, at any point in your life, you're going to get disrespected, um, for the hard work that you put in. Right. And it's a good lesson to pretty much at that point to leave and, I think I may have stayed a little bit longer than I should have. And that was a, it was a good lesson that I think I learned though um, about like just really not letting a company um, ultimately, you know, pretty much, pretty much tell you to your face, like that they're going to do something and then like ultimately not do
3: it. So. Yeah. I mean, I've, I can definitely empathize with that in the sense that, I had a friend who once said that, and this is back when I worked um, at a college, he said, never fall in love with the university because the university will never love you back. Absolutely. I I think in particular people who work in higher education more often than not get kind of duped by their home university. I know so many people that wanted to go back to work to where they graduated from and then they hated it. Yep, I'm like I know why because you've now seen behind the curtain. You know how it works. Yeah, and you have,
0: yeah, I was going to say that.
3: <laughs> and, and ultimately, like you're trying to replicate your you're trying to replicate your undergrad experience by working there, and they're they're not the same thing because you have a different perspective on how the world works, and you also don't remember all the shitty things too. Think
0: think of it. Think of it like going. You, you went to an amazing wedding at this venue, so you decided to work for the venue. Right, and it's like well, it's going to be a completely different job. Now you have to serve drinks. Exactly, you're getting drinks served to you.
3: Yeah, you were shit faced, and now right. you're talking to shit faced you, yeah. and you and shit faced you is not nearly as funny as you think you are.
0: You you are definitely not. No I feel was. like
1: that, I feel like that was like episode like four thirteen of the Flash, actually. Uh, but yeah, I think that also is like too. A lot of times we. We feel like the efforts we've put into, and this could be more than just a work thing, but like a, a relationship of any sort, whether it's you and a in a job or you and a person, that sometimes like the sacrifices and all the efforts you've put in, you it still has a payoff that hasn't come, and sometimes you have to learn that the payoff won't always be there, or that it's so never that, it's
0: never that, gonna come it's either the carrot or the stick right and Mm -hmm. like ultimately they'll dangle the carrot as long as they have to but it's it's really you're secretly just getting the stick the entire time
3: good to reflect with you guys on those things and um i will say if anybody who um wants to participate in this conversation about those last two questions that we had um if there was a time that you can go back in the last five years what would it be or what do you wish you knew in high school that you know now? If you want to participate in this conversation, do us a favor and email us at secondmousepodcast at gmail.com, or you can direct message us through LinkedIn, Twitter. We have a Facebook page now. Um, or just put it in the, the comment section when we release this this episode. Um, do you guys want to move on to the most favoritist oh yeah two parter of all time? Oh yeah. You want to start with picks of the week or assholes of the week?
0: Just so I always like to end on a positive note. So. Okay,
3: so we'll start with assholes of the week, and I would like to start first. And as many of you know, I am a Boston Red Sox fan.
2: Uh, it was a pretty no. <laughs> fucking, pretty fucking
3: rough weekend for them. It's been uh, a pretty rough last three weeks. And why,
0: what, Tom? What, what's happening?
3: Uh, they're falling apart. If you can imagine. Their disabled, their injured list right now is Kike Hernandez, J.D. Martinez, Rafael oh, Devers, Chris go. Sale.
0: Here we go. It's
3: it's not even that. My asshole of the week is Jaron Duran. So <laughs> for for those who were not watching the train wreck that was the Red Sox uh, Blue Jays game last Friday. Uh, Jaron Duran is not a outfielder by trade. He's an infielder that they're trying to train to play in the outfield. He was playing center field in Fenway and fly ball to center field. It looks like it's going to be deep, but Duran runs and he's short, loses the ball in the the outfield. By a lot. Way behind him. It hits the wall actually. And he's like 30 yards in front of it. He's got his arms stretched out. And he doesn't, he can't see it. He hears the ball hit. He turns around and sees it and just walks towards it. Meanwhile, Alex Verdugo, who's playing left field, is hauling absolute ass to try and catch this, to grab this thing. Uh, the guy who hit the ball, it's an inside the park grand slam. But the thing that makes me the most upset and the reason why Jaron Duran is my asshole of the week is the effort. I feel like in sports effort is half the battle as what we talked about with Kyler Murray, just because you don't like to fucking watch film doesn't mean you shouldn't watch film. And I will say just because you lost the ball in the, in the outfield, Jaron, does not necessarily mean you don't have to run as fast as fucking possible to at least put in some effort to try and grab that ball before Verdugo got to it. And I think that's a problem that they've struggled with a lot recently is playing a lot of guys out of position but at the same time the effort has not been there for some of their more talented players and I thought that they could be buyers at the deadline but I think right now in their best interest they should be sellers and they don't they only have like a handful of guys that are under contract for next year sell off the parts that you can and load up for next year
1: Fire sale baby
3: Yeah, let it happen I think he should stay on the Red Sox forever. You would easy.
0: <laughs> well, I'm he might go... turn
3: out to be good, but he's not a center fielder.
0: No, no, I, and and those th- those those are the type of things that they should probably be doing in spring training, not in a major game when you're vying for a wild card spot. Because I mean, I get desperate times call for desperate measures, but like he seems like he's out of his depth.
3: Here's the thing, though, is they, they believe that they're able to get away with it because they did the same thing with Mookie Betts, who was originally a second baseman in the minor league system. And they moved him to the outfield center field, and he ended up landing in right field. And he's a solid, if not gold glove winning right fielder. Right. They're trying the same thing with Jaron Duran. It's just not working out. History doesn't always repeat itself. No. Yeah. Sometimes
0: it's the exception, not the rule, right? Yeah. And
3: he's not the player that Mookie Betts is either or was. I mean, Mookie
0: Betts was like a top prospect coming out anyway. So Darren
3: is too though, but you know, you put him in a position that he's not comfortable with and now he starts fucking thinking about things.
0: Yeah. It's not good.
1: (laughs) We don't pay you to
3: think. We definitely don't.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm going to go with a, uh, another athlete uh, for completely different reasons. Ah, uh, candidate for M- Minnesota's lieutenant governor and former Baltimore Ravens center Matt
3: Burke. Oh, that piece of shit! <laughs> <laughs> what What did he do?
0: <laughs> well, so he's always been like I always knew that Matt Burke was pretty conservative because you know if it's famous in uh, when the Baltimore Ravens won the Super Bowl, he refused to go to the White House because Obama was the president. Um, He had some thoughts about abortion and he called abortion, quote, evil and decided and basically said that they're always playing, quote, the rape card when it comes to talking about abortion. Sure. Basically, uh, so, quote, he said that uh, a a, terminating a pregnancy resulting from rape will, quote, only make things worse and basically said that it would be a uh, it'd be two wrongs don't make right. So, quote, rape is obviously a horrible thing, but an abortion is not going to heal the wounds of that. Two wrongs. It's not going to make it right. One of the arguments I saw probably 20 times online today was about rape. As you yes, the old rape card, the only thing people go to when they – so basically just minimizing um, this. And then he had just a very weird tangent in which he uh, had to mention – Uh oh! Did you know I won a Super Bowl, guys? (laughs) Shortly after we won the Super Bowl, did I mention I won the Super Bowl? They said, "Well, (laughs) abortions." They said, "Well, abortion's legal," and it was kind of easy for a lot of people. Easy out for a lot of people. I I don't. I don't even know where he's going with that because it seems like a very weird tangent. He just wanted to throw in that he uh, won the Super Bowl.
1: I. I do have just a conventional like anytime someone's going to make a shake on something or they often need to defend themselves before they make a stupid comment like that by giving themselves credibility for something like yeah. I need to make sure you understand that I am authority for this reason. So they build their credibility so that you'll swallow their bullshit a little bit easier, but. That's so fucking out of control bad that he
0: he also used the term that he also used the comparison that like, well, abortion used to be legal. Well, slavery used to be legal.
1: Oh, fuck.
3: Yeah, that's the right. That's the right direction. You want to go with that?
1: He also said, did did he finish up saying, what is this fucking Nazi Germany? I can't have. this."
0: He also said, quote, (laughs) other (laughs) other laws, you know, women used to not be able to vote in our country. Now we let them drive. Is, you, is what's this the argument
3: bit? there is that it, like yeah is this a psyop? yeah like is this just a joke like is he just
1: being sarcastic is he trying um, not to get reelected? He, what's going he, on
0: here he well he well i don't i don't believe yeah he he i'm hoping that he gets voted out and again minnesota i i always credit to being the best state in the country um because in they're the only country that has ultimately voted for Democrats every single time in a Democratic go, an election. Go back to 1984. Reagan won 49 states. The one country he did not win, Minnesota. The one um, country
3: he, he won? one state. Oh, God damn it. I'm tired. It might as well be a
0: country. Yeah, might, you know what? I'm, I'm declaring Minnesota its own country.
3: <laughs> you know what, though? Everyone like has talked about Herschel Walker. I think Matt Burke has the worst brain damage of the two
0: yeah he, and and like i think it's lieutenant governor too so it's not even like regular governor but so which which is even scarier because i think with herschel walker the microscope's going to be on him pretty hard uh to where i think matt burke's going to be able to kind of hide a little bit behind the fact that he's not going to be running for uh the governor's seat so it just it just makes it even much worse but like yeah herschel like the the the, the nfl turned governor uh not ideal. Have, not ideal, yeah, so fuck him
3: gotta oh, who you got
1: um I mean I'd I kind of want wanted to piggyback for a second off there because we missed we missed some some weeks there we we went on that summer hiatus and there was there were a few ohio um there was there's a governor and there was someone from i I want to say it was a senator. I forget now, um, that that you know you had heard that case about the ten year old that yeah took a trip to Ohio uh, yeah. to get the abortion, and then they they she turned was, around from, and they said she was
0: from Ohio, right?
1: Indiana, yes. I believe. No, she was oh, goes... oh, from Ohio. Went to Indiana. Because right. Mike, because
0: Mike, Mike, De, Mike Dewein, Dewine, or whatever his name is, DeWine, the yeah. governor, of, yeah, Dewine, governor of o- Ohio, basically put in like the most some of the most stringent laws in the country.
1: Yeah, and, and then he went and said it was all bullshit and it was fake and he denied all of it and he said she that wasn't true and she didn't have an abortion. And yes, yeah, lo and behold, all of that was true. He was a giant asshole. And I just wanted to throw that in there because we were kind of talking about the same topic there. Um, and, and I didn't want to forget such a terrible asshole that we should all keep fresh in our mind. Um, but mine's a little bit more fun um, because it goes... It goes kind of also with the conversations of today about being youthful. And one thing that I think we didn't touch on so much was that uh, just because something's like cool or trendy doesn't mean you have to pretend you're into it. And uh, my asshole of the week is kind of it's a chef and it's a state. So Chef Pie and uh, Florida Um, are my asshole of the week because there is a viral craze going on where everyone is trying to get their hands on the stuff called pink sauce
0: (laughs) yeah i've seen this
1: so it's a very bright pink sauce um it's in a ketchup bottle it's called pink sauce by the way yeah um and they're shipping it um i think it's like it's twenty dollars a bottle it's apparently it's made the ingredients are water, sunflower, seed oil, raw honey, distilled vinegar, which is on the label misspelled, by the way, garlic, pataya, which is dragon fruit, pink Himalayan salt, less than two percent dried spices, lemon juice, milk, as- uh, citric acid. Now, the reason this is my asshole is because people have gotten pretty sick from using this from purchasing this now right now like the label first off the label is highly contested because um there's there's no proof that any of this stuff has been like the fda hasn't approved the sauce and they probably wouldn't because you have products like milk products and no preservatives um, in this right, so things and like she, garlic. And she's
0: shipping them too, so they're going into the back of a hot FedEx or UPS truck.
1: Exactly, Christ. and and things like garlic and raw honey and sunflower seed oil. These, besides milk, these all have expirations. Um, they can go bad, and they increase risks of botulism as well as salmonella, and um, yeah, essentially, like. It's it's arrived at people's houses spoiled. Um, there's no expiration dates on the bottles, which means you don't know when it was made either. So it could be like one that they forgot about somewhere, and it's been sitting around for even longer. Um, again, not approved by the FDA. The only reason it's getting a pass right now is that there's the cottage food laws in Florida, where the pink sauce is produced and it allows unlicensed home ki- kitchens to produce food for sale that presents a low risk of foodborne analysts. Basically, this is like saying I could go to the farmer's market and get a pie, right? And I right. can bring that home and eat that. They're taking it a step further though. And it might've been just something that was meant to be sold locally, but obviously it caught fire on TikTok, And now people are paying a premium for it to get it shipped. So, you know, why wouldn't this person want to do that? But the reality is that there's a lot of people here that are being very negligent and playing fast and loose with this law. And I I don't know if it's because of the lacks of the law or just the fact that Florida is not stepping up to fucking you know stop what's going on here but like this shouldn't be happening people can get really sick and die from this this is there...
2: fucking
3: insane like yeah
0: and what's funny too is there has been a lot of chefs who have been trying to like recreate it and they really can't based off the ingredient list so they've had to like tweak it a lot so it seems like also she may not be very she may not be not uh, reliable. Tr- truthful on what's actually in the in it there... at-
1: yeah. There's yeah, there's no evidence that Chef Pie or anyone helping her produce the sauce is a licensed and, food and,
0: and by the way, I want to point out like the, the what I've read is that it's basically ranch sauce.
1: Yeah, tastes like so ranch.
0: People are paying twenty dollars for pink ranch where you can just go get ranch and then fucking put pink food dye in it and for all the day.
3: You could buy ranch dressing and put fucking pepto in it, it's what it looks like.
0: <laughs> it does look like pepto.
3: So I, I just read a comment on t- uh, Twitter, and I find it hilarious. It's like um, Upton Sinclair did not write The Jungle and have to deal with <laughs> all of these like meatpacking companies so you can eat fucking pink sauce off the internet. And, <laughs> you know, I think. I I find it absolutely hysterical that the same people that are probably buying this shit are also the same people that are complaining about like unnatural foods and things like that. We just we we had a big segment last week about like foods that are elite that are legal in the United States, but not legal in other countries. And there are people make such a fucking stink about everything now where. Everything needs to be all natural, with no preservatives or non-GMO, no, no seed oils, and they're probably buying this shit off the internet and having no understanding that a lot of things are in place to keep you alive. And if TikTok is the worst fucking thing that ever happened to humanity, and it just well, lets I, people do shit like this,
0: but you know what? Though I, I have seen that a lot of the TikToks are. Pretty much dunking on this person. I hope so. so. Yeah. So I. So it has its moments of terribleness. It, it. The. The thing is, like people like gimmick. I. I I've learned people like gimmicky shit.
3: People oh, are just
0: 100%. super into gimmicky shit, and I'm like, they already did this, didn't? Like, remember when ketchup had the, like the green and purple, the purple one? Yeah. yeah. So like, I mean, this is nothing new, and it's like she would have been smarter to just literally make a ranch sauce. And then just put fucking food dye in it. Like, why are you putting like? Wh- There's what no kind fruit, fruit. She was didn't. It? Dragon fruit. Dragon fruit.
1: Yeah, it's which Pattaya. which I feel
0: like is gonna it, like make it very strange flavor.
1: It uh, it's a bitter. Have you ever had dragon fruit? Yeah. Yeah, it's like sweet. Also, it's it's not pink. Like, no, the line is pink. Like right. the outside is pink. You don't eat that part. That's why I was very we- weird that it turned pink.
3: You know what it is? It's probably the boiled rind that is like ground up and put in there. I would. You, I would wager it's going to be that. When she
0: can literally just use pink food dye, uh,
3: red forty.
0: Oh god! <laughs> crush Beatles, those, baby. crush those beetles up. Yeah, wow. there's there's a lot of shit that just goes trending that is just really dumb, and like this is, and like the problem is like. It, i'm looking there's tons of articles and like i feel like she's not going to be affected by this at all um although i did i did hear randomly that she like apparently had somebody from like the fda show up or something i'm not sure if that's true or not but hey man
1: um, you're making you're making big enough sales like you're gonna get noticed by the government But like
0: what 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 is appetizing
1: about that dude again like you said it's a gimmick like somebody's like my favorite color is pink i I love pink everything. And but they're I, like, can I get pink buns? I'm gonna get pink hot dogs. I'm gonna put pink sauce on it. I think can it's I also pink pink I think it's pink.
0: also like a clout thing too, is that people see the TikTok views that she got and then was like, I need this so I can make a video of me eating the pink sauce and I'm gonna get tons of views because people are looking for it.
1: Which is why this is something that goes back to a lesson I I wish someone told me in fucking high school of, hey, like, just because something's popular doesn't actually make it cool cooler. Awesome.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Like,
1: we that all bought into fucking, like, I-, I remember when we were real young, like, Pogs were a thing for maybe, like, 30 seconds. Hell yeah. I had a shitload of them, and then I just forgot about them, you know, like.
0: I don't even know what happened to mine.
1: Yeah. Like, and why? I never even played the game with them.
0: <laughs> no, I just collected them. Yeah,
1: exactly. No one knew how to play it. You just collected them because they were cool. You get the you one took, with the eyeball the, that was all foily.
0: You took the heavy, awesome. the heavy one, and you tried to flip it or something. I don't know.
1: You, you, whatever you grabbed out of the pile,
3: you kept is for family.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> but All right, uh, guys. How about picks of the week? Gato, you want to wrap us around? Yeah,
1: sure. Um, I mention them every so often, and I feel like I. I might as well just give them the full credit and give them one of my picks of the week. It's the podcast citations needed. They're great. Really. Yeah. Really love them. I, I feel like it's not even everyone should know about them at this point. Um, Nima Shirazi, Adam Johnson, they are always talking about, you know, the big things in the news, but they, really do a great job of getting to that intersection of media, PR and power, just like they say. Um, and they just, each week, it's just really, really well done. Um, I particularly love their take on um, this past episode about uh, Biden's, it was called Biden's dictator tour and the tedium of our humans rights concerns theater. And I really love just their, well informed. It's refreshing. They do their research. Um and they have great discussion. And uh if you're if you want a nerd about what's going on and you want you want a little bit more firepower than what we provide, <laughs> they they do a great job of getting insightful and fucking explaining to you. So uh I definitely recommend giving them a listen.
3: Their episode about um Hallmark like Christmas shows is wild. I haven't heard that one yet. It's so good. If you can just roll back to like November or December of last year and listen to it, it's insane. It's so good though.
1: Yeah. They're, they're just,
3: they're all together. Fucking awesome. So yeah, it's definitely a a good pick right there.
0: I'll have to check that out. Q, what you got? Uh, Well, Tom, you may not be a big fan of uh, what I'm going to pick this week. It's going to be ESPN's documentary, the captain. Uh, it is a miniseries, uh, seven episodes about Derek Jeter, and basically goes from his childhood all the way until his retirement. Uh, very similar to the Last Dance, uh, which was the Chicago Bulls documentary that was done uh, by ESPN. It's uh, only two episodes have premiered so far. Uh, they're all available on ESPN Plus. They, it is, it is incredibly well done. Um, If you are a Yankee fan around my age and you grew up in, you know, the nineties watching those teams uh, to be able to get some really good uh insight on those, on those teams, it, it's, it's incredible. Plus it just goes to show like how uh the one thing I, I, I don't think I ever really realized was how tough it was for Derek Jeter to break through. Um, And then after he got drafted, he actually went through a horrible rookie season, um, which he actually contemplated quitting baseball uh, for a short time because it was just he was just he was playing the worst he had ever played. Um, But that ninety five series, pretty much where they ended up getting um, a horrible loss in that in that playoff series against Cleveland um catapulted them and ultimately set up the moves that they made for the the run in 96 so um i'm really interested to see where it goes i i I, they're gonna delve more into the relationship with alex rodriguez and how that soured uh so i'm really excited to see where it goes uh they the each episode is an hour Honestly, like I was mad when the second episode ended because I there were they're obviously premiering only a short period, so I wanted that next episode right
3: away. So I recommend so, give it a check. So, contrary to what you said earlier, I don't mind Derek Cheater as much. And, <laughs> and frankly, if my worst year was 250 <laughs> batting average with 51 plate, uh, spring, spring, spring training. Oh, okay. So, so, I
0: don't, yeah, he went to spring training, he said Andy Pennant snubbed him and that like none of the guys really liked him uh because like they they looked at him like you know first round draft pick and all that so he he basically said that he was like he i think he i forgot the number but he had like something in the north of like 60 errors in Ooh, yeah like and like the, like to the point where people were starting to say like did we make a mistake drafting this kid um because like obviously Derek Jeter grew up a Yankee fan he, he told everybody from a young age he was going to play shortstop for the Yankees. So it was like destiny that the Yankees ended up having a, a pick high enough to get him. And then, you know, he gets his dream job and then it's like the pressure starts mounting. But, you know, it, it, it's him basically kind of outlining like how he became who he was. And uh, there was really and in this last episode, there was a moment in which um, in, in the 98 season, David Wells, there was an error that happened, and David Wells kind of showed them up. Like, he threw his arms up in the air. And he talks about how the fact that he, like, walked right up to him and said, we don't do that here. And, like, for a 22, 21, 22-year-old 22 kid to go up to David fucking Wells, who was, like, a all-star at that time, and tell him, like, that's not how we're going to do things here. But then managing the blowback of it, because it got to Buster only. Buster only re- wanted to report on it and he basically like showed the accountability. He brought over his teammates and he's like, you're going to tell him exactly what happened. And it's like, it just goes to show that he is an incredibly responsible. He was incredibly responsible at a young age, which I think kind of like they, they go on a lot into like the differences between a rod and him. And ultimately like a rod was always considered the better player overall. Yeah. Right. But like, He lacked the leadership capabilities, the media savvy that Derek Jeter had. So um, I'm I'm interested to see where that goes. But he he it really shows how he was able to for like what 20 years manage that uh, New York media and uh, pretty incredible story, man. Again, you know, second year in the league, he ends up winning a World Series. So it's and uh, rookie of the year too. And rookie of the year, yeah. But like they also now are like they're right at this point now where he's going into arbitration and they're trying to lowball him George Steinberg's trying to trying to lowball him and it's it's I'm just I like they they and, and they really pull everybody out of the woodwork for this uh they have everybody interviewing for this so it's it's really really incredible to watch so Why five more episodes you so ESPN premieres it but then if you wanted to watch it anytime you could watch it on I only say that because I don't know when it's going to be on again on ESPN so if you like you wanted to watch these episodes right now you go to ESPN plus
3: gotcha yeah I mean I'm I'm interested in it because I think anybody who actually understands how baseball works regardless of whether you're a Red Sox fan or Yankees fan or whatever, like you respect Derek Jeter. And I give a lot of like reverence to the guys that were on that, like those teams in the late nineties, because most of them were all like homegrown talent. I think where it turns for me is when they started like recruiting mercenaries to come in and try to win world series where those guys didn't necessarily earn it, but they just walked in being complete shitheads.
0: Yeah, and I, I think I think you're right. I think Cashman went kind of crazy in the early two thousands with like the David Justices and the Gary Sheffields and mm-hmm. all those. But there's actually a moment in which um after ninety-five, they actually contemplated trading for shortstop because he had just performed so badly. So it was it was almost a situation in which Jeter was gonna be sent to the minors in ninety-six and Rivera was gonna be traded to Seattle you would have traded arguably the best closer of all time and (laughs) ultimately sent Jeter down in a year in which he wins rookie of the year and ends up uh, winning the world series.
3: It's just wild how like baseball, how in some cases like one little thing like that can either make or break somebody's career, like gun to your head right now, who is the most iconic Yankee of all time? Are we prisoners in the moment to think that Derek Jeter is?
0: I think you have to think – well, I think you have to put things in perspective, right? I think Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio and all those guys are probably more iconic players. They're better players. But you have to remember that in the 90s, this is when baseball is making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. and This is when these teams are spending a lot of money on guys. And you're also delving from – other countries too you're starting to get foreign players into the game which you know it was just a bunch of you know white guys playing that game back then so i think you have to take all those things into account for the ability for him and also they didn't have to deal with a robust new york media that will rip you to shreds if you do if you say something wrong even once Mm -hmm. so for him in 19 years in the in baseball for him to be able to not only win Five championships, and for him to be a you know mega mega star in this city, and do it with the class, and like be, being a Yankee captain is a huge deal. They don't just give it to anybody. Like stability
3: is the word that comes to mind. Right? For him. You
0: think Thurman Munson, right? Like that. Like it's it's something that like I and I believe I'm right that he was the first Yankee captain since Thurman Munson had he was. Had, so, I mean, you think about that, it's a long time, you know, it's 20, 20, 30 years, and they haven't had one since. So, you know, for him, like, I, I think, you know, when you put history into it, I think he is. Because, like, yeah, maybe we are kind of being prisoners of the moment, but I think everybody is, right? I think once... You know the '60s came around, and like you know, you had you know all those guys coming around. They were prisoners in the moment, and they were forgetting the guys in the '30s. And then when the mm-hmm. night, you know, the '80s came around, they were forgetting forgetting the guys in the '60s, and they were you know focusing on the guys in the '80s. Like we're always gonna be prisoners in the moment, but like to be able to navigate um, celebrity status, and they they go into that as well because. The infamous uh, P. Diddy and Shine shooting in that New York City club with uh, Jennifer Lopez, he was almost there
1: that night. He was almost there. Then this He is was the almost there. This is where I would say no one needs to hear this. <laughs>
0: well, no, because it, it,
1: the, 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 he was almost not on the team. He was, it sounds, I, I, I got a criticism of this. No, no, no. It, 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 it is,
0: it is playing with the idea that as a celebrity in New York city, as a famous athlete, you have to make choices sometimes. And the choices are, do you get caught up in the celebrity and enjoy yourself and have fun every single night and like be in the club until four o'clock in the morning and then show up to practice? There was there it's, are moments in which you can also ruin your entire career over something that you were not really responsible for. Well,
1: it's just weird to paint paint Derek Jeter then as this guy who was just constantly solid, and then also make the narratives that at any moment he could have his whole like legacy could have been this fragile thing that had cracked.
0: But but well, th- this was in like well, God, you have to remember this was in like. 1998, he was drafted in 1995. So like he was very early into his career. This isn't like 2009 Derek Jeter. Oh, yeah,
1: no, no. I'm I'm more making an indictment on like the storytelling of this, actually. Well, that, it may it may that be the, he's he's the well, most solid dude, and then he's like well but again,
0: but again, he's also he's also like a 24-year-old kid at this point. So he Derek Jeter's the legacy of Derek Jeter is built on the fact that he went 19 years with this team. And was solid from beginning to end, and is still solid to this day. So, like, at that time, he's only like 24 years old. We don't know. We think he's this amazing kid, but we've seen guys rise up to greatness before and then ultimately fall. And, you know, so like, again, like, you never know. But he was basically talking about, like, you have to make choices sometimes that ultimately, like, I'm just gonna stay home and watch movies, you know, and I'm, or, you know, whatever. And like you can get swept up pretty easily in a city like this, and ultimately be in the wrong place at the wrong time, and get you know. And he's like, and I, listen, like that was the shine where shine I believe went to prison. I think he's still in prison for it. Yeah, Derek Jeter would have not gone down for that, right? Like, and he like he acknowledged it. He's just like, but my name would have been, would have been always associated with it. So he's like, my name would have always been on there that I was there that night. So he's like, it just it just. Those little things that will build up and ultimately could bring you down, because like if you give the media an inch, they'll take a mile with you. Like those writers are aggressive; and they will, will try and shape a narrative. <laughs> anyway, I recommend giving it a watch because it's a uh, it's really great. So, uh, Tom, what do you got for us?
3: Yeah, so um, my pick of the week is actually going to be a throwback from about fifteen years ago. At this point, so recently, I bought the EA games um subscription on xbox live where you can go and play old ea games and my pick of the week is actually going to be a game called mass effect and it's a uh, you know mass effect
0: i i think i played it a lot i played it when i was younger
3: sick so Mass Effect is a 3 is a is a trilogy that's set in space about 300 years into the future and it is a wild fucking game. So the the team that made it is called BioWare and they did Knights of the Old Republic, the Star Wars game, they did the first one, the second one, um, Dragon Age Inquisition, but they're most known for uh Mass Effect which is humans um Working with other species in the galaxy and there is a hidden threat that is destined to dominate our galaxy and all of the sentient life in it or all the advanced technological advanced societies in the galaxy. Um, you play as commander shepherd you can make that person whoever you want them to be but a lot of it comes down to morality choices and how you want to play this game so you can be paragon or you can be a renegade and your choices define how the game ends and which one of your companions lives and which one dies and the thing that i th- I didn't appreciate when I was younger and now I'm starting to is how well they've been able to weave the stories together from game one to two to three. So what you've done in the first game, if you playing a uh, if you have continuity in your character impacts what the ending of the third game is now Bioware got shit on when Mass Effect three came out because a lot of people were not fans of how the game ended. They felt the ending was disingenuous and didn't align with how the story was supposed to go. And they in fact had to create a whole new ending to satisfy the customer base. And I, this is probably one of the best trilogy games, if not best game I ever played on a console ever. And I'm, Playing the first game right now, and about a third of the way through it, I'm trying to do as much as I can, but it's a long-ass game. But I'm having a great time doing it. It's a great nostalgia trip for me, and it looks really nice on Xbox One because the Mass Effect Legendary Edition came out, and they redid the graphics for most of it. Um, For those who have the chance, buy the Mass Effect legendary series or you can just download that EA um Play Pass or whatever it's called EA Pass and you can play all three of those games but Mass Effect that's a winner for me
0: you you would probably like uh Red Dead Redemption uh part 2 then if you like that cuz uh it's it's very much like the same kind of mentality that you can like choose to be whoever you want to be as far as like a good guy or a bad guy and then the endings are affected by that
3: yeah, Red Dead is a game that I've always wanted to play. I've just not had the time to dedicate to it because it, it, it is a it's beast.
0: It's huge. Yeah, it's huge.
3: Well, that does it for another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast, you fucks, Thanks for chiming in and listening in this week. We do this every week minus our uh, couple-week hiatus over the summer. But if you liked what you were listening to, this episode and all the other ones do us a favor and give us a like and a subscribe on all your favorite streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google play, Amazon, Amazon people are, are, are creeping up in the standings right now. Actually, if you want to be a participant or an active, if you want to be engaged in the conversation, do us a favor and send us a message on um, instagram twitter or facebook and let us know where you land on some of the topics that we talked about earlier and do us a favor and give us a like and a follow on twitter instagram facebook lastly we do this for the fans so let us know what you want us to talk about who your assholes of the week are and who your picks of the week are but outside of that you all have a fantastic week happy listening and bye we'll see you later okay let's give me a rhythm.
0: Then he says, and I'm not kidding he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I
2: boshers. need applause to live. Turn it up.
1: I can make your hands clap. I, said I can make your hands clap. Go ahead, make your jokes, Mr. Jokey. Joke maker.
2: <laughs> ha! Suck it, Jack Sparrow! <laughs>